speaking of prosperity, we're going to continue along the line of what we've been talking about over the, the past few sessions. We've been talking about what kind of God do we serve? Do we serve a stingy, poor God uh, of scarcity? Or um, do we serve a generous, rich God who desires to bless us and who desires for us to be rich? Spiritually, physically, financially, every realm of life. And this is what we've been talking about. Um, my opinion doesn't matter. Other people's opinion about this subject in the Bible doesn't matter. It's what did God say. That's what matters, and that's all that we're interested in. Uh, just because I say something, you don't believe it. You believe it because God said it. And that's why I believe this, is because God said it. It's, it's true whether anybody experiences it or not. I have experienced it, and I'm seeing other people experiencing it. But it's true, regardless of, of whether we experience it, but praise God, we hear the word, we believe it, and we will experience it. I can guarantee you we will experience it. Now we're in 3rd John, the epistle of 3rd John, over in the back of the New Testament. If you go to Revelation and just come back two or three pages, you'll be there. We're in 3rd John, verse 1 and 2. He says, The elder to the beloved, Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and, and be in health just as your soul prospers. He said, I pray or I desire above all things that you prosper. Mm -hmm. I pray or desire above all things that you be in health. Now he could have said a lot of, lot of things here, but he said, I pray above all things that you prosper and you be in health. Amen. So we've been, we've been studying from the word of God and by example of uh, People in the Bible, what, what did they experience? What kind of God did they serve? We need to know because we're serving the same God. God has not changed. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. So we're, we're studying what God says about this subject. Now as he says, I pray or I desire above all things that you um, prosper and, and be in health. Then he tells us how. How this level of divine prosperity, success, and good health, how does it happen? How does it come to pass? To prosper means, one of the meanings is to succeed on the road. 
It means to move forward, to come up in every area of life, spiritually, physically, financially, mentally, in every area of our being. He tells us how does this happen. According to, uh, he says, just as your soul prospers, or according to, depending on what translation you have, according to the degree that your soul prospers and comes into agreement with God's word. So your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, there is a way to prosper in the world. There's a worldly way to prosper. Psalm 73 verse 12 says, The ungodly who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. So there is a way to prosper out in the ungodly world that many people know how to operate in. But that's not what we're teaching here. That's not what we're teaching. But through a lack of sound biblical teaching, many Christians are confused about the difference between prospering in the world that the ungodly operate in and prospering in God. And we're not talking about the ungodly who prosper in the world. We're talking about the godly who are us who prosper in God. How do we prosper? We're in a different system. How do we prosper? How does it happen for us? Uh, how do we get faith in this area? How do we get faith to believe God in any area? Well, faith to be saved and born again, it comes by hearing what the Bible says about repenting of sin, receiving the sacrifice of Jesus for the payment of our sin, and becoming a new creation in Christ. We have to hear that preached. We have to hear that good news to, in order to have faith to believe that. In the area of healing, we have to hear what the Bible says about God's will for us to be healed and live in divine health. That's how faith in that area comes. This, and so the same is true in this area of uh, material and financial blessing and increase, which the Bible talks a lot about. Faith comes the same way. We have to hear that it's God's will. Faith, faith uh, begins where the will of God is known. So we have to first hear what is the will of God, then we have to believe it, um, and that's how faith comes for each, each area of life. Now, there are millions of Christians who do not believe this. They do not believe it's God's will for them to prosper. They do not believe it's God's will for everybody to be healed. Um, and they certainly don't believe that it's possible to live in divine health 
where you just stay in good health and you never get sick. They certainly don't believe that's possible. Um, they don't believe it's God's will for everybody to be rich, materially and financially. One of the reasons is they don't see anybody in their church healed. They don't see anybody in their church who is living in uh, material and financial abundance. Mm -hmm. And they haven't experienced it themselves, so they don't believe that it's God's will for everybody. So they base their, they base their belief on their experience or other people's experience. They don't, they don't base their belief on what does the Word of God say. They just base it on experience. Well, we, we don't base anything on experience around here. We base everything we believe on thus saith the Lord. Um, another reason they don't believe it is because it's not being preached from the Bible in their church. So they don't have faith to believe for it. Uh, the only way you can get faith to believe in any area is to get it from God's word. And hearing and reading the word of God will transform your thinking and your believing from a poverty mentality to a biblical prosperity mentality. And only the word of God can do that. Uh, you will hear people say, I need more money. Well, that's not the first thing they need. They may think they need more money. And I can remember years ago when I would have said the same thing. I need more money. But, but I realized, and I did need more money, <laughs> but that's not the first thing I needed. The first thing I needed was to hear the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about prospering your soul? Um, the first thing they need to do is to change their thinking, their believing, and their talking from a poverty mentality and, the, and only by hearing and speaking the Word of God, only, that's the only way to transform your thinking and believing and your talking into a successful biblical mentality. You've got the Word of God has to transform your thinking, your believing and your talking into uh, a prosperity mentality. So in this area of material and financial increase, it does not start in your bank account. It does not start in your purse. It does not start in your wallet. Good health does not begin in your physical body. It begins on the inside. Feeding your spirit and your mind on what God said about blessing, about abundance, about increase, about healing and good health. It starts with the Word of God on the inside of you. So on the inside is where this uh, prospering begins to take place. And that's why he tells us in this verse, I desire that you 
uh, prosper and be in health according to the prosperity of your soul. And that's what we're talking about. Your mind getting renewed with the word of God. What's the will of God? What has God said to me? What has he promised me? Because the word of God will elevate your thinking up on God's level. And God, uh, uh, you'll begin to see yourself the way God sees you. He, it, it, will, it will elevate your thinking up off this, the scarcity in this world. And you'll begin to think and think like God thinks and see what God sees and uh, see how God sees you. He sees us righteous. He sees us in good health. And he sees us blessed abundantly. Now, as your mind gets renewed by hearing the word preached, by reading it yourself, by speaking it, by speaking these promises, the word of God will flush out all of the old religious tradition, all the wrong teaching that you've had in the past. It will flush out uh, all that you've been taught that God and poverty are connected with a short rope. It will flush out all this wrong teaching and, and uh, maybe examples from your family that, that you've, you've been taught by example to have a poverty mentality. It will flush all of that out of you. Uh, you may have acquired a poverty mentality from your family and they taught you by example, not meaning to and not knowingly. Uh, does any of this sound familiar? Any of these, any of these uh, sayings sound familiar? We can't afford that. Do you think money grows on trees? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. <laughs> Don't throw that away. It can be used again. Don't throw that away. It can be fixed. We can use it again. And this kind of poverty mentality can be handed down from one generation to the next. Why would, why would you not want to throw away old things that are worn out? Why would you want to save up all the plastic spoons and forks from takeaway meals over the past five years. Why would someone want to save all that up? Because they think they might need it someday. They're expecting hard times. They're expecting shortages. Now, there's nothing wrong with saving. Saving is good. But we want to save for a sunny day, not a rainy day. Yeah. If you save for a rainy day, you're going to get rain. <laughs> and we don't want a rainy day. We, we want to save for a sunny day. Now, uh, why don't people throw away something that's worn out and go buy a new one? Well, somebody might say, well, it's because they don't have the money. Okay, why don't they have the money? Primarily because they think wrong, they believe wrong, and they talk wrong about money, and it's coming to pass. They're not poor because they don't have money. 
They're poor in their soul. They're, they're um, poverty-stricken where the word of God is concerned. They haven't allowed the, the word of God to transform their thinking in line with the word of God and the will of God. So they're, they're not just poor in their bank account. They're poor spiritually. They're poor in the soulish realm because they haven't renewed their mind yet. And once that, that mind begins to get renewed, you will see a change begin to take place in your bank account. And I can tell you from ex personal experience. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. Now that is the will of God for all people for all time. But you must change your thinking and your believing and your talking in order to move from a poverty mentality to having all sufficiency in all things. And this is a process. It, it doesn't just happen in a few days or a few weeks or even sometimes a few months. You have to stay with it. It's a process of renewing your mind on the Word of God. And your finances will begin to increase and you will begin to experience a greater level of good health. So I'm, I'm really emphasizing this point that it does not start on the outside. It starts on the inside with the Word of God. Now, uh, in previous session, we looked at Abraham, um, who was rich spiritually. And that's how he became rich materially and financially. It didn't start on the outside. It started because he was spiritually rich. So you cannot separate the spiritual realm from the natural realm. Everything in this natural realm um, originated in the spiritual realm. So the two realms are connected. You can't separate them. We looked at what kind of God did Abraham serve. And we need to know uh, really all these patriarchs uh, starting back in the Old Testament. We need to see what did they experience? What kind of God did they serve? Because we serve the same God. Um, you know, if we were able to interview Abraham today, uh, we would say, Father Abraham, um, what kind of God did you serve? What did you experience? Did you experience a God who uh, was stingy and, and um, you know, desired for you to struggle? Or did you serve a God who wanted you to be rich and generous? Um, so we've seen recorded in the Bible in the life and experience of Abraham, uh, Genesis 13, 2, it says Abram was very rich in cattle and silver 
and in gold. Now you cannot spiritualize that. People who are opposed to this teaching often they, they come across a verse uh, like this, whether it's the Old or New Covenant, and they'll say, well, that's just talking about spiritual things. Well, I've never seen a spiritual cow, and I've never seen spiritual gold or spiritual silver. Um, you know, if you have a gold ring, it's physical gold. It's not spiritual gold. If you have a gold necklace, it's not a spiritual gold necklace. It's a physical gold necklace. So this is talking about physical assets. Now, um, in Genesis 24, when Abraham sent his servant to go look for a wife for his son Isaac, the servant went to Rebekah's family. And this is what he said about Abraham because he was there to represent Abraham. He said to them, The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and, ha and he, God, has given him flocks and herds. Now that's plural. Not just one flock, not just one herd. Flocks, plural. Herds, plural. Silver and gold male and female servants. Today that would be employees and camels and donkeys. So these are physical, tangible assets. This is how wealth uh, was measured in ancient times. These people lived in an agricultural society. Today, we, we wouldn't so much measure wealth in, in agricultural mm -hmm. terms. It would be yeah. stocks and bonds and yes. investments and yeah. portfolios and gold and that kind of thing. Now, we saw that God re revealed himself to Abraham by two of his uh, redemptive names that reveal his nature, his will, and his character. There are seven of them in the Old Testament, and, and we're not getting, going to get into all seven, but we see in this area of uh, physical, material, and financial blessing, God revealed himself to Abraham through two of these redemptive names. The first one was El Shaddai, yes. the all-sufficient one, the only mighty God who supplies and satisfies. And this is a revelation we need to get that God is our total, complete source of supply. Sometimes you hear people say, well, that, that came from uh, an unexpected source. No, that's not accurate. There's only one source of blessing and increase, and that's God. But he has many channels. So the, the, the accurate description would, to say, would be to say that came from an unexpected channel. An unexpected channel of blessing because all blessing comes from God. He's, we have one source. One source, many channels. 
one source, many channels that God uses to bless us. Now, Abraham did not approach God and ask God to make him rich. That is not what happened. It was God's idea. God went to Abraham with this proposition. And he said in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So God approached Abraham with this proposition. And he said, um, I will bless you spiritually, uh, numerically, materially, and financially. And he did it. And we've, we've seen from the word of God that that's true. He did do it. So this is proof positive that spiritual prosperity is directly connected to financial and material prosperity and blessing. In Genesis 22, God revealed himself again to Abraham by one of his other compound redemptive names, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, the self existent one, the God who sees ahead and provides. Yes. Now that really, really excites me. I mean, the God we serve, the God who sees ahead and provides. And we talked about how he saw ahead of time that uh, Ab Abram was going to take Isaac up on that mountain to sacrifice him. And God saw ahead, and he had to ram to be stuck in the bush there at just the right place, at just the right time, to be the sacrifice in place of Isaac. So, so that's how God revealed himself to Abraham as the God who sees ahead and provides. So Abraham, even though he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, he didn't have to go through with it. God provided another sacrifice because he saw ahead, he saw Abraham's obedience, he saw his faith, he knew he was going to do it, and he said, no, don't do it, Abraham. I have, I have seen ahead and I have provided. And over in the bush was the ram that he offered as the sacrifice. So multiple times in the Bible, God referred to himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So we've seen from the Bible what kind of God Abraham served. Uh, what kind of God did Isaac and Jacob serve? Did they serve a God who changed? Or did they serve the same God who blessed and multiplied Abraham spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially? Uh, did they serve a God who changed his nature and will? Or did they serve the same God who was generous and rich and abundant in nature? 
Now, in the life of Isaac, we see that Isaac, he began, he began his adult life a multimillionaire. He started out his adult married life as a multimillionaire because he inherited all of the wealth that Abraham had, and that was a lot. Um, we know that because in Genesis 25, verse 5, it says, And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Flocks, herds, employees, gold, silver, the whole bit. And so let's look at, let's carry on from there in Genesis 26. And we'll, we'll look at Isaac here for a few minutes. Genesis 26, verse 1. It says, There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now, this is uh, an agricultural society, and there's a famine in the land. So this is not just a recession. This is not just kind of a slump in the economy. If there is no rain, there is no crops, and there is no food. So this agricultural society is completely dependent on rain for their crops. And they are in a, in a famine. And there has been no rain, so there's no crops, and there's no food. And it's come to the place where, um, you know, it's devastation and starvation. So even though Isaac was a multimillionaire, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If there's no food, you can't buy it. You know, um, if, there, if there had been food, it may have been 10 times the normal cost. And he, he could have bought it, but there's no food to be had. So this is really a bad situation. So because of this economic crisis, Isaac planned to move to Egypt where there was plenty of food, plenty of everything, and the economy was good. That was his plan, and that looked like the logical thing to do. But is the logical thing to do always the best thing to do? Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The Passion Translation says, Within your heart you can make plans for your future, but the Lord chooses the steps you take to get there. So this is why we need to be led by the Holy Spirit, walking by faith, and not by sight. So from, from a natural perspective, an economic perspective, uh, an agricultural perspective, moving to Egypt looked like the best plan for Isaac to continue to prosper. Yeah. 
But God had another plan. In verse 2, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him. Just as he's making plans to move from Gerar to Egypt, the Lord appeared to him. And this is very similar encounter with the Lord that his father Abraham had back in Genesis 17 when God spoke to Abraham and said, I will bless you and multiply you exceedingly. So God says to Isaac in verse 3, Do not go down to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. This land, Gerar. And I will be with you and bless you. So where is the blessing going to occur for Isaac? Where does he have to be to be blessed? In this land. In Gerar, not Egypt. Yeah. Not Egypt. Yeah. Even though from the natural standpoint, yeah. that's where the jobs are, that's where the, yeah. the food is, you know, that's where the economy looks good. Yes. That's where, you know, it all looks, looks good, the grass greener on the other side. But God said, do not go to Egypt. So what if Isaac had ignored God and moved to Egypt anyway, would he have been blessed in the same way? No. No. Now we're talking about what kind of God do we serve? Well, we found out from Abraham, he's a blesser. And um, he will lead you. He led Abraham to the, to the place he you know, told him to go to. He said, I'll show you where to go. And he did. Abraham just set off in faith, not knowing where he was going. He will protect you. He will warn you. He will show you. We know, we know that's the nature of God. You know, when, when Jesus was born, um, you know, God revealed himself to Joseph. Uh, that they had to leave and go to Egypt. And then later he spoke to him and said, go back, you know. So God warned him that he, about Herod and how Herod was going to try to find Jesus and kill him. So he warned him ahead of time, and he protected them, and he guided them. So um, today we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them back in the, in the Old Covenant. <coughs> you know, before, the, uh, before Jesus went to the cross and before the day of Pentecost. But now we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Uh, so we know that God is a blesser and he will lead and guide him and show us. So that's, that's what he was doing with Isaac. But um, when we talk about this subject, we mainly focus on God's ability to bless and prosper us. But that's not all that there is to being prosperous. There's a human side of it. God has a part to play, and we have a part to play. And we saw in the life of Abraham, uh, one of the most important parts was that Abraham was obedient. 
Obedience and faithfulness are two of the major components of, of being prosperous and blessed by God. That's, that's two of the most important, important things that we, we have to do. That's our part. So, you know, God had said to Abraham, leave your family, go to the place I'll show you. And Abraham obeyed him. So, um, God's ability to bless Abraham was partly dependent on Abraham's obedience to do what God told him to do. So, so us obeying God, us being where he told us to be, doing what he told us to do, is very dependent on God's ability to bless us. We can't just take off and do our own thing mm -hmm. and just sow offerings and make confessions and be guaranteed that God's going to bless us. It doesn't work that way. We have to uh, be in the plan of God, doing what he's uh, told us to do and be where he's told us to be. This is very important. So when God told Isaac, don't go to Egypt, but stay in this land, Gerar, from a natural point of view, that looked like disaster. Yeah. I mean, even if you try to sow seed, you try to make crops, if there's no rain, it just looks like you're wasting your seed. But God is going to bless you in the plan and in the place you are supposed to be. And God said to Isaac, Gerar is the place you're supposed to be. That's where I'm going to bless you. We've had multiple people come to this ministry and walk in and say to me, uh, this is exactly what we've been looking for. We've, we've been, this is, this is exactly what we've been looking for. We are so glad we found you. We're so happy to be here. We know God led us here. This is an answer to prayer. And a few months later, they're gone. And you never see them again. Now, and he knows why. As far as I know, there was, there was no hard feelings or, or anything, basically. You, people just come and go, and you just don't know. But this is the point. If, if what they said is true, if God did lead them here, then this is where they're supposed to be planted. And many times, Christians are led somewhere, and then they jump out of the church or the ministry because they don't like something or... Uh, you know, something happened they didn't like or the pastor didn't do something they wanted him to do or he did do something they thought he shouldn't do and uh, who knows why. But this is an epidemic proportions in the body of Christ. I once heard a pastor say he was going to rename his church the Church of the Revolving Door. Because he said, people come in one door and they go out the other. And people bounce from one church and one ministry to the other. And they struggle spiritually. They struggle mentally. They struggle physically in their health. 
and they struggle financially. And it's because they're, one of the main reasons is they are not where God told them to be. And they haven't stayed where God told them to be. Uh, so there's more to being blessed and prospering yeah. than just making faith confessions and just giving. It depends on where you're giving, the quality of seed you're giving. Um, you know, having faith to reap, a lot of, a, a lot of things involved. It's, it's more than just God's will to bless you and, and more than God's ability to bless us because there's no problem with God's ability to bless us. So with Isaac, God told Isaac, you stay here in this land, Gerar, and this is where I'm going to bless you. So if God told him to stay in Gerar, could he be blessed anywhere else? No. No. The blessing is in Gerar, not in Egypt, not somewhere else. If God says we have to be in X location for us to receive the blessing, then that's where we have to be. We can't decide, well, I don't like the weather there. Or, um, you know, I don't, I don't like what the preacher does, or I don't like the music, the music's too loud, or, you know, whatever. We can't, if God has said we're supposed to be in location X, we can't just up and decide that we're going to move to location Y yeah. and be blessed to the degree that God desires to bless us. There are people that will uproot their entire family out of a good church, you know, and move across the country for a pay rise of a hundred, you know, maybe a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars. And God would bless them if they would just stay where God planted them. But they will just up and leave a yeah. wonderful church and all for a, a small financial reason, you know. Uh, this is not the way it works. We can't just decide to move to location Y and be blessed to the same degree if God said you're supposed to be over an X. Now, Isaac was brought up in a family of faith. So he knew about faith confessions and tithing and so forth. God said, stay in Gerar. Now, if he, he, he knew about faith, what if he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to stay in Gerar. I'm going to go to Egypt, and I'm just going to make faith confessions in Egypt, and I'm going to sow my seed in Egypt. He would not have been blessed. He would have wasted his seed in the wrong place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's more to it than just knowing faith principles and making faith confessions. We all have a place we're supposed to be and no other place will do. And the devil knows this. And that's why he's always trying to stir up something in churches and ministries, getting people upset and disgruntled to get them 
out of the place they're supposed to be, get them to, to, to move out, to get out of the will of God, and then they begin to struggle. Now, let's continue in Genesis 26, verse 5. Uh, well, verse, let's four, verse 4. And I will, I, he said, stay here in Gerar, and I will bless, uh, I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven, I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Abraham obeyed God, when he told him to leave his family and go to a place that he would, show, he would show him. And as a result of that obedience, God blessed him spiritually, physically, financially, materially, abundantly, which would, could never have happened had he stayed with his family. Now God is speaking to his son Isaac, and he's telling him, you stay in Gerar, where the famine is. So what did Isaac do? Verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. He stayed. He obeyed God and he stayed. He obeyed and he stayed. No matter what the economy looked like, no matter the negative circumstances, no matter the geography, it's about the perfect will of God. My prosperity, your prosperity, spiritually, physically, financially, is all connected to me and you being where we should be. This is a huge component in, in living in divine prosperity. Can you sow your seed just anywhere and receive the full blessing? No, you can't just sow it anywhere. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit. To, 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 to sow it in good ground, in the right place. Because if we, if we just give it to the first person or ministry that comes along, then when the, the right person or ministry comes along and God tells us to give it there, now we don't have it because we already gave it somewhere else. Yes. We wasted that seed. So... How do we know how to give? We have to be led by the Holy Spirit and the witness inside. Don't let other people tell you where to give and how to give. You pray. You pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. Now Isaac, God told him to sow in that land where there was famine. And from a natural logical standpoint, that looked crazy. But he obeyed. That's where God told him to sow. While everybody else is experiencing famine, what happened for Isaac? Let's look down in verse 12. 
Then Isaac sowed in that land, Gerar, where there was a famine, and everybody else was experiencing famine, but Isaac sowed in that land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, why put this in the Bible if this is not available for us today? A hundredfold is a hundred times. This still happens today. You just gave us a testimony. I have, rec I have received hundredfold multiple times. Why put it in the Bible if it's not for today? Uh, we receive it because we're believing for it. Yes. We know it's available. We know it's God's will. Yes. We believe for it. Yes. Isaac knew and served the God of a hundredfold. That's the God that Isaac knew. That's the God that Isaac served. The God of a hundredfold. God blessed him and made him very rich when everyone else around him in the same land, in the same economy, was starving. Verse 13 carries on about describing Isaac. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. So not only did Isaac begin his adult life as a multimillionaire, having inherited all of Abraham's wealth, here God has added to him. He's added more to him. I like the message translation of this verse. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land, the land God told him to, and took in a huge harvest. God blessed him. The man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. He accumulated flocks and herds and many, many servants. Not just one flock, not just one herd, not just one servant, many. So this is not talking about a spiritual 100-fold. Flocks and herds and servants and employees there's no such thing as a spiritual employee. It's a physical employee. You, em you employ physical human beings to work for you. This, there's no way that you can spiritualize this. This is sowing natural seed, reaping a hundred times natural harvest in one year. Crops, sheep, cows, and employees. These are physical tangible assets. And it goes on to say, uh, so, so much that the Philistines envied him. He, God blessed him so much that the Philistines envied him. Now, not everybody's going to be excited that you reap a hundredfold. <laughs> Jesus warned us about the persecution that comes with a hundredfold in Mark 10, 29, and 30. So, you come here 
we rejoice with you. We rejoice with you and, and God blessing you a hundredfold. I want to see everybody blessed a hundredfold. I want to hear all these testimonies coming in. So we'll get excited, but not all the Christians and not all the churches are going to be excited that God has blessed you with a hundredfold. Uh, and in today's society, it's usually the Christians that get upset the most about our blessing and our prosperity more than the unbelievers. But you keep coming here, we'll get excited with you. Now, this hundred times increase Isaac received from sowing in Gerar in famine, would he have experienced a hundred times had he moved to Egypt and sowed? No, because he would have been out of the place God told him to be. God told him to be in Gerar. That's where the blessing's going to be, nowhere else. So Isaac could have said, well, I'm a man of faith. Yeah. I'm just going to Egypt in faith, yes. and I'm going to sow my seed yes. and make my confessions. Yes. Yes. He would not have yeah, received anything. No. <laughs> and this is where many or some Christians have missed it. Are they where God told them to be? Are they staying where God told them to stay? Are they doing what God told them to do? Are they sowing where and what God told them to sow? And then, then you apply your faith on that. Once you've done that, then you apply your faith. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's see where I want to go. If, if we carry on here, if you go ahead and read this story, uh, the rest of Genesis 26, this hundredfold increase that Isaac experienced, it was a witness to the Philistines. That's why they envied him. This was a witness to the ungodly, to the unbelievers, and it caused the Philistines to fear and envy Isaac and the king Abimelech king of the Philistines he asked Isaac to leave now this is dumber than dumb and I, that's another that's another uh, sermon that's another sermon uh, is that uh, the the uh, King asked Isaac to leave, but I believe one of the, the reasons why he asked him to leave, uh, Isaac was probably making the king look bad, and the king had yeah. wealth. Yeah. And he, uh, he thought, well, you know, I need to move this guy along because he's competing with me on a level with me, yeah. and I need to move him along. Um, and also, it probably, he probably... Um, I know at one point he did realize this is a blessing of God on this man and it scared him. You know, he knew there is a God that, that can, can bless uh, in, in a godly way, you know, that can, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a Jehovah, there's a God of Israel that has blessed this man and it probably scared him. It's probably another reason why he asked him to leave. But 
when Isaac left, things started going downhill for the Philistines. And, it, and, and they realized, wait just a minute, when Isaac was here and that blessing that God put on him, it elevated all of us. It, it elevated the entire economy. We all had it better when he was here. Yeah. It's like that saying, you know, the, the, uh, all the ships in the, the ocean, you know, when the water increases, it elevates all the ships in the, in the harbor. Doesn't just elevate one ship, all the ships get elevated. So because of Isaac's blessing from God, everybody, even the ungodly around him, were feeling the effects of this blessing. And so when Isaac left, things started going downhill for them, and they started thinking, wait just a minute, you know, maybe we should have this guy back, and it's better to have him on our side than to have him as our enemy. So the king went and asked Isaac to come back, and he wanted to enter into a covenant with them because he realized it was the God of Abraham and Isaac who was causing Isaac to prosper. And as long as Isaac was in the vicinity, it had a positive effect on all of them. So the king wised up and decided he better be nice to Isaac <laughs> and have him yes, on their side. Yes. So uh, it's a bad witness to the unbelievers when the Christians are broke. Because the, the unbelievers are out there in a world system that's driven by materialism and it's driven by money and greed. Um, and that's all that they really understand. And um, that's all that impresses them, really. So when they look at, at the church and they see Christians broke, yeah. it's really a bad witness. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons why unbelievers are not running to church and they're mm -hmm. not running to Jesus mm -hmm. because they're thinking, why should I leave, uh, you know, why should I leave what I'm doing to go serve a God who's broke and wants all of his people broke? Because that's all they've ever heard, probably. If they've even been to church, that's probably what they heard. And why would they listen to Christians who are broke Tell them to leave all their money and possessions behind and come follow Jesus who wants them broke. That is not appealing to anybody. We have a vision to come up to another level. We want God to be honored in every area of our life, including our finances. Mm -hmm. And it's a witness and a sign to tell others about El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of plenty. That's the God that we serve, and that's the God that we want to represent. And that's how one of the ways God has been grossly misrepresented to the unbelieving world. Wow. God has been grossly misrepresented to the unbelieving wow. world. We serve the real God of the Bible. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob served a generous God, a rich God, who blessed them abundantly. And Isaac prospered. He continued to prosper. He became very prosperous. And this was all in addition 
to the millions that he had already inherited from Abraham. So just like a poverty mentality can be passed on from one generation to the other, we're going to see how the prosperity mentality of Abraham is going to be passed down from one generation to the next. And this is why it's very difficult to find Jewish people who are religious and, and believe in God. Um, you, you cannot convince those people that God wants them poor. They don't believe in poverty. No, they no. don't believe in poor no, at all. No, they, they, they know something about that covenant with Abraham. They may not know Jesus yet, but they know something about that covenant with Abraham, and they know it's God's will to bless them and for them to be rich uh, and, and wealthy. Uh, Abraham had a prosperity mentality. He did not believe in shortage and lack, and he passed his prosperity prosperity mentality down from one generation to the next. He knew he served a generous God, a rich God. Abraham was a tither. He was obedient. And by example, he passed this down to the following generation. So we're going to see this blessing of Abraham coming on succeeding generations. Now, I'll just end with this Scripture from Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. This is writing to, to us, New Testament believers. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. And poverty is one of the major curses of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why did he do this? Verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's us, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's why Jesus did it. What now? What did the Spirit promise Abraham? I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will multiply you exceedingly. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And then, to top it off, verse 29, Galatians 3. And... If you are Christ, and we are, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Yes. This blessing of Abraham has been conferred upon us. Most Christians don't know it, but it belongs to us just as surely as it belonged to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and those succeeding generations. Amen. It belongs to us today as New Testament believers. The same blessing God conferred upon Abraham has been conferred upon us. And, and many Christians just 
don't know this. They're, they're ignorant. They've just never heard. But we're coming up. We're getting our minds renewed on the word of God, and we believe it. We believe what the word says. We believe that we serve the same God Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob served, and all these other godly men of faith in the Old Testament. We as New Testament believers, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The same blessing right here upon that God promised to Abraham has already been conferred upon us. Yes. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus